Well, Merry Christmas morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. Yeah, man, we can give a hand for Christmas morning. Whether you are joining us here in the room um, or online, and we just welcome you. Glad that you chose to carve out a little bit of your morning to spend some time, and not just with us, but spend some time reflecting and rejoicing on why we celebrate this time of year anyway. So as we get started, here's what I want you to do. Uh, go ahead and turn to someone next to you, or if you're joining us online, just kind of talk about this in your in your family room, if you're gathered with some family, and what has been the best part of your Christmas morning so far. So share that with the people that are around you. What has been the best part of your Christmas morning so far? And then we will jump in. I've had several, several great moments uh, so far. Uh, towards the top is seeing Quentin in his Christmas pajamas. Uh, that's uh, yeah, looking good, man. I, I missed that memo. Somehow, like in our service planning meeting, I, I missed that we were wearing PJs today. Much would have rather done that. Uh, if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. That's going to be our main text for today. Luke chapter 2. And hang on to it there. Uh, the last few days have been uh, a little brisk, right? A little, little bit on the chilly side. And I was telling Amber this morning as we were, as we were driving into church that I've actually gotten a notification on our, on our thermostat a few times saying, hey, there might be something wrong with your HVAC system because it's not able to keep up. I'm like, no, there's nothing wrong with the HVAC system. There's something wrong with the weather outside that's not allowing it to, to keep up. It is like working extra, extra hard trying to just warm up our house in the midst of, of this cold weather. And you know, I started thinking, like, there's a difference between a thermostat and a thermometer, right? And you've probably heard this before. A thermometer, all that a thermometer can do is read the temperature in the room and then react to it. The thermostat is able to respond and set the temperature in the room. And I've heard it said before that when it comes between the difference between happiness and joy— Happiness is kind of like that thermometer that reads the temperature in the room and then responds and reacts to it. And so if like things are good and Christmas is merry and bright, then man, you feel that happiness and, and, and you respond to that. But joy, joy is one of those things that is so deeply rooted and settled in our hearts and in our souls that it doesn't matter what is going on externally we have that joy that is able to set the temperature of our hearts, not just respond to the circumstances that are around us. And as we continue this morning to untangle Christmas, this series that we've been over the last couple of weeks, we are talking about joy. Joy, this, this thing and this feeling and this, this, this attitude that I think on mornings like this morning is really easy to talk about. Like Christmas morning is one of the most joyful times of, of the year. And so on a, on a morning like today, joy is something that is really easy 
to, to talk about. But listen, we also know that not every day is Christmas morning. Like, like right now, if joy were just that thermometer, it would be responding. But, but what we want in our lives, what I want in my life is for my joy in Christ to be that thermostat, that it does not matter what is going on around me, it is setting the temperature in the room. It is something that is making a change in, in me. And so we know that not every morning is Christmas morning. And the pastor heart in me knows that days like today can sometimes be hard. Dealing with the loss of someone that you love this year, that first Christmas can be tough. I know many of us will wake up tomorrow and Man, all of those burdens that, that we've been living with and maybe pushed off to the side over the last couple of days, they're going to be staring us right back in the face. And there are so many people who will wake up tomorrow still feeling depression, anxiety, and worry, maybe wrestling with an addiction, a fear that is consuming you. Now, I don't want to be <laughs> Debbie Downer this Christmas morning. It's just that when we talk about joy today, I don't want it to be just wrapped up in the gold and the glitter of Christmas when it's really easy to talk about joy because joy means so much more than that. I think joy is one of those things that is tested and proven, not in the glitter and gold of life, but in the grit and the grime of life. Like joy is tested and proven and built up in us when life is sometimes at its hardest. But it's joy in the midst of hardship of life that Jesus came to give us. And that's the joy that I think most of us desire. Because the reality is, is that there are so many things in this world that are trying to steal our joy, right? So many things that want to steal our joy. And I think that, that there are both physical and spiritual reasons why it's sometimes so hard for us to keep our joy in, in life. I read an article last week that said negative things that happen to us make an immediate imprint on our brain. So when we go through a difficult time, a negative time, someone says something to us, uh, something happens that, that's not favorable, that negative memory immediately makes an impression on our mind. It's like, took the picture, stored up there, locked in. But something positive takes up to 14 seconds to make an impression on our minds. 14 seconds. And so our brains are, are more naturally disposed to remember and hold on to negative than it is to hold on to the positive. We form lasting negative memories more easily than we do positive ones. And the author concluded, the brain, I like this, the brain is like Velcro for negative experiences, but Teflon for positive ones. Negative experiences... I mean, it grips right there immediately. But man, those positive ones, Teflon, it just slides right off. It doesn't matter if you are more naturally optimistic or pessimistic. Negative experiences like regrets and resentment and pain cast long shadows in our lives. So that's the physical component. But I think that there's also a spiritual component. We, we are under attack by an enemy who Jesus has told us his only purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. 
And Satan will use any weapon he can to take that joy from you. He will use a sin habit in your life. He will use your favorite cable news channel to rip that joy right out of you. (laughs) He will even use an argument with your spouse while your kids are opening presents on Christmas morning to celebrate the birth of baby Jesus. Like, he will use anything at his disposal to steal your joy. And he's clearly effective at what he does. Studies show that anxiety and depression are on the rise at an alarming rate. But, but they're not just on the rise now. I mean, this, this is nothing new. These have been around forever. I think it's why one of the, the most repeated commands in Scripture is do not fear. One of the most repeated things that God wants us to know and to hold on to and to do is do not fear. It's because he knows our propensity towards fear. And it's into this reality. It's into our reality that that Jesus, the joy of the world, was born. Look at our text with me. Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verses 6 through 20 this morning. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. They were sore afraid. (laughs) But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with an angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. I love I love that verse. I think just a, it's, an, it's an interesting study if you just read through the different birth accounts of Jesus of how often that, that phrase is, is, is brought up. And even throughout Mary's life, her, her just pondering these things as she, as she witnessed her son uh, living into the, the prophecy. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So I want to I go back up to, to verse 10 because I think that's kind of the, the crux of this passage. I want to dive a little bit deeper into it. So the angel comes to them and, and, and says these words, do not be afraid. There's that, that command kind of showing up again. Do not be 
afraid. This God who knows us better than we knows our, know ourselves knows how much fear creeps into our lives and steals that joy. And, and it would be kind of frightening, I imagine, to be sitting out in this dark field at night, minding your own business, when all of a sudden these heavenly hosts start surrounding you and, and, and appearing out of nowhere. And, they, and so they, they say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. I bring you good news. That word for good news is gospel. The angel says, I have a gospel for you. And, and we talked about this a, a, a few months ago, that, that the word gospel was actually co-opted by Christianity. It, it's not a necessary Christian word. The word gospel was, was around long before the birth of Christ. It was, it was this proclamation of good news. And so whenever uh, maybe a victory was won or a new king was born, a messenger would go and proclaim the gospel, proclaim the good news of victory or the birth of this new king. And so these angels come to proclaim this gospel of the birth of a new king and a victory that was on the horizon for us. And notice that this is not just good news for a particular people or nation. This is good news that will cause great joy for all people. The Greek word here for great is megas. Say that, say that with me. Megas. And so this good news that is going to bring mega joy into all the world is the news of this birth of Jesus, the Messiah. And this mega joyful news is not just for the Jews. It is not just for the wealthy and the well-connected. It is not just for the good religious people. The good news that the Messiah is finally here, the rescuer has finally come, is for all people. If I'm honest, all of this talk about good news and great joy, though, man, it sometimes makes me wonder, where are those things? Like, why is it that it seems like in my life I am much more of a thermometer than I am a thermostat? Why, why do I react instead of, instead of, like, set that temperature and let the joy of the Lord set that in me? It makes me wonder why we still struggle with so much sadness and pain. If Jesus came to bring joy, why is joy sometimes the last thing that we feel? And I think it's because the kingdom and this new king that this new king ushered in is both now and not yet. It's now and not yet. You see, we are living in a time kind of between times. We, we're living between Jesus' first advent when he cracked the door on God's kingdom and, and all of the, the love and the hope and the peace and the joy came, came kind of moving in. We're, we're living in between that time when he cracked open that door to, to the time of the second advent when he is going to come and fling it wide open and we will f- experience it fully and finally. And because we live in this land of the in-between, it means that we now feel both sorrow and joy. It's not sorrow or joy, it's sorrow and joy. 
And here's the thing, just like all of the other Advent themes of love and hope and peace, joy is more than an emotion. It is this inner condition of the heart that has been transformed by Jesus. In other words, joy isn't just something that we feel, it is also something that we choose. It's a decision that we make. Henry Nowen said it like Henry Nowen, <clears throat> excuse me, said it like this. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. And so while we live in the age between joy being ushered in by Jesus' first coming and then the, the day when it'll finally and fully be realized in a second, how do we choose joy now, even when our circumstances might not necessarily call for it? Well, my go-to in this is Philippians chapter 4. And so if you have your Bibles open, uh, go over to the right, just a, a handful of books to, to Philippians. The Apostle Paul is, is writing these words as he is confined in, in, a, in a prison for, for his faith and his, and his ministry for Jesus He's writing this letter of joy in a not-so-joyful time in his life. And look at what he says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In this passage, rejoicing is not just a command. Re rejoicing is a, it's presented as this key ingredient to our spiritual growth and formation. And there's so much that we can learn from these verses, but I want to quickly point out three things that we can do to find joy even in hard times. Number one, give thanks. In this passage, really this entire book, is saturated in gratitude and the thing about gratitude and thanksgiving is that oftentimes they are things that we practice before they are the posture of our heart. We practice them before they become the posture of our heart, meaning that we have to practice being grateful and thankful, oftentimes before we feel grateful and thankful. And this is important for us because when you look at your life, you may not be able to see things that immediately make you grateful and thankful. In fact, oftentimes because, again, this is the way that our minds are wired to, to remember most quickly the negative, when we look at our lives, oftentimes what we see the clearest are those pains and those hurts and those disappointments. And so when we're thoughts of our life or about how hard it is, how unfair it is, and those things come flooding into our minds, practicing gratitude and giving thanks for the things that God has done, for the blessings he has given, helps reframe those things. Second, draw near to God. I think there's a reason why prayer is central to this passage of joy. I think that our joy can be measured in our proximity to God. 
Our joy can be measured by our proximity to God, who is the creator and the source of all joy. He is the most joyful being in the universe. And Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And so the closer you get to the source of joy, the more joy you will experience. And finally, guard your heart. Guard your heart. If you knew that someone was coming in to, to break into your house and steal all of your Christmas presents this morning, kids, what would you do? Man, you would set guard at your house tonight. And Satan wants to come and snatch our joy, and so we need to guard our hearts. And the best way to do that is to watch what we put in our minds. And so it's why Paul says in verse 8 to, to think about whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is admirable, is lovely. Think about those things. Direct your attention towards those things. Because what you fill your mind with eventually trickles down into your heart. And for many of us, the things that we fill our mind with are the things like news and social media and TV. We fill our minds with so many things that are opposite of what Paul tells us to fill them with. And so how can the joy of Jesus fill our hearts when we are consumed, when I am consumed so often by the ugliness of this world? And so this week, as we move from the joy of Christmas morning back into whatever stress might be awaiting us in this coming week, and may we give thanks for, for what we can in life. May we, may we draw near to God, who is the source of all joy, and may we choose to focus our minds and our hearts on God and to guard them so that Satan does not come in and steal his joy from us. And as we practice these things, it does not mean that we won't go through hard times, that we won't grieve pain and suffering in our life. It doesn't mean that we won't feel sorrow anymore. No, it means that we will feel both sorrow and joy and that the joy in us will not just be that thermometer that reacts, but the joy in us will be that thermostat that sets the temperature in our lives. Jesus, thank you for coming to bring us joy in the midst of what can sometimes be the difficulties of life. Lord, may we experience that joy more fully this morning by your grace. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.